the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me on this Thanksgiving day and weekend. It's a great day. It's a day that we set aside for the most part, I hope, and we give thanks to God for all of his blessings. I want to talk to you a little bit. This is going to be a different kind of a program today. It's a special edition, we'll call it. I want to talk to you a little bit about Thanksgiving and some of the aspects of Thanksgiving that I think you'll find encouraging, particularly in the times in which we live. But let me give you this verse as a pretext or a text to what I want to talk about today. It's found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. In the New King James Version, the Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Keep that in mind as we talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. If time permits, I'll come back to that in a moment. Thanksgiving is an interesting time. A Christian research company, Lifeway, has done a little bit of in-depth surveys about what people are thinking and feeling on Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving. The survey gave people 10 options as to what they're really thankful for. And interestingly enough, most Americans are thankful for family, 88%. Second to family was health. 77% of Americans say they're thankful for good health or they want good health. Personal freedom was third, 72%. And interestingly enough, friends, friends, 71%. They're thankful for friends. Fewer, much fewer, gave thanks for wealth. 32% of people, only 32% said they were thankful for wealth. Maybe it's because the wealth has been drained away. (laughs) I don't know. Only 2% said they were not thankful for any of the 10 options. Demographics seem to shape the responses. Those 65 and older were more thankful for family, 92%. They were 86% of those over 65 were thankful for their good health and fun experiences, 48%. Conversely, those under 25, they were thankful for fun experiences, 70%. And their achievements, 61%. However, the kids under 25 have a deep appreciation for family, 77%. That's what Americans generally are thinking on this Thanksgiving weekend. Interestingly, though we know a lot of things have changed, I came across a Thanksgiving proclamation. It's a letter from the governor. No, not not this governor, not Inslee or whomever, wherever, whichever state you live in. It's a letter from former Washington state governor, Arthur B. Langley. It doesn't sound like what we're hearing from politicians today. Much has changed. 
He wrote this letter and he gave this proclamation back November 16, 1951. I remember 1951. I remember my dad. He always talked about, my dad had been a lifelong Democrat, the old Democrat. But he always talked about Arthur B. Langley, how much he liked him. Well, now I'm kind of beginning to realize why he might have liked him. My dad was a deeply committed Christian. But on November 16, 1951, the state of Washington, Olympia, Governor Arthur B. Langley, he said, whereas our pilgrim ancestors established one of the most cherished traditions of our land 330 years ago by setting aside one day each year to give thanks to God for his bountiful blessings, and whereas the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness for which they crossed the sea are still the basic uh, freedoms of every American in spite of the wars and conflicts which have threatened us throughout our history, and whereas today a godless tyranny again casts its evil shadow over the world, endangering the way of life for which our forefathers and our fi- uh, and fighting men have paid so dear a price, and whereas it behooves us in giving thanks to pray as well that God in his infinite wisdom guide us, giving us strength and courage to face the tasks of the future. Now, whereas I, Arthur B. Langley, governor of the state of Washington, by virtue of authority in me vested, so hereby proclaim Thursday, November 22nd, 1951, as a day of thanksgiving. And he signs it in the year of our Lord, 1951. Can you imagine a governor making that statement today? Maybe there are some, but they certainly aren't ruling on the West Coast, that's for sure. But I just thought I'd share that. It gives us kind of a little bit of an idea of the differences and how things have changed in some of our lifetimes. As I said, I was around then. Pretty young, but I was around. Have you ever wondered, when you think about Thanksgiving, have you ever wondered why in the story in the Bible of the leper, Jesus healed the lepers? Remember that? The ten lepers? Have you ever wondered why only one of them came back to thank him? Somebody has written an article, and I don't, I don't have the name. I would mention it if I if I knew. I don't know, but, but I thought it was clever. It was interesting. Why did only one cleansed leper return to thank Jesus? Well, this person speculates. One waited to see if the cure was real. One waited to see if it would last. One said he would see Jesus later. One decided that he never had leprosy. He just had the symptoms. One said he would have gotten well anyway because the body is self-correcting and heals itself. That's partially true. God created us that way. One gave the glory to the priests. And one said, quote, Oh, well, Jesus didn't really do anything anyway. <laughs> Another said, Any rabbi could have done this. One said, Well, I was already much improved, so I don't see it as a miracle. I don't know about you, but there are many reasons why we could find, I suppose, if we didn't want to give thanks to the Lord, and we're finding that many are doing that today, particularly those that are visible, leaders, politicians, and so on. Ray Stedman was a great pastor during 
Oh, during the 70s. I know when I was a youth pastor, he was at, I think it was Peninsula Bible Church, it was called. He was great. He wrote some great books, and he was a, an influence on a lot of us, myself included. But he told a story in one of his sermons, H.A. Ironside, great theologian. He said he was in a crowded restaurant, and um, Ironside was. And it, Ironside had ordered his meal. That was non-coronavirus days, of course. But he said he was about, had ordered his meal that had come, and he was just about to begin eating them. This man walked up to him. The place was crowded. There was no place to sit. He said, Ironside was alone. And he said, do you mind if I sit at your table? And Ironside said, no, have a seat. He said, I'm alone. That's fine. So Ironside went ahead, and as was his custom, no matter where he was, he bowed his head in prayer. When he opened his eyes, the other guy was staring at him, and he said, do you have a headache? Is Are you okay? And Ironside said, no. No, I don't. I'm good. The other man said, well, is there something wrong with your food? Ironside said, no. He said, I was simply thanking God, as I always do before I eat. The guy looked at him and he said, oh, he said, so you're one of those. He said, well, I want you to know that I never give thanks. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow, and I don't have to give thanks to anybody when I eat. I just start right in. Ironside looked at him, and he said, yeah, he said, I understand. You're just like my dog. That's what he does, too. Sometimes Thanksgiving is a time to be direct (laughs) and to stand and to live and to be a light in the darkness that is so pervasive in our world today. Yesterday, as I concluded the program, I mentioned to our listeners, hopefully you were one of them, that I would continue and end or tell the end of the story of Squanto today, and I will. Squanto Squanto was a gift to Bradford and the pilgrims who had landed what we know as Plymouth Rock. When they landed there, they had no idea what the history of that place was, but Squanto's Squanto's tribe had once lived there. They were gone. Bradford and the Pilgrims had no idea to the history of where they decided to establish the Plymouth Colony. The story behind that is that, as I said yesterday, Squanto's friend had walked into the village able to speak broken English, but he said he had a friend, Squanto, whom he would bring back, who spoke fluent English. Well, Squanto did. The story of Squanto, kind of the rest of the story, is that Squanto, as a kid, grew up in a village that was on that very spot where the colony was. He had been out fishing along the rocks there of northern east coast, the places we know as Rhode Island and Maine and Massachusetts and so on. A boat had come into the harbor. Squanto and some of his friends saw the boat. They weren't afraid of it. They just thought it was, you know, amazing. They had seen some fishing boats before from somewhere else. These guys came on shore and basically took these people prisoner, including Squanto, and put them on the boat. They didn't know what was happening. They tried to get away. They were, they immediately wrapped their arms and their hands with rope and subdued them, put them on the ship, and away they sailed. 
Well, as it ended up, Squanto and some of his friends ended up, this guy was a slave trader. He took them to Spain, where he put them on the block to be purchased as slaves, these Indian kids. Some nuns were there, and they happened to see Squanto for some reason, just a good-looking kid, a good kid. So they got together and they said, let's put our money together. Let's buy that young man that's up on the market there on the block to be sold as a slave. Let's buy him and we'll let him live with us. He won't be a slave. He'll be one of us. So they did. He didn't know what was going on, but he saw them as not hostile. They took him to their convent or whatever, and they began to teach him English and Spanish, but English. They begin to teach him about American history and about European history. They begin to educate him. There's a lot to that story, and I'll skip over many of the details, but to give you the point of it is that he became educated and fluent, not only in his own language back in America, in the village there where he was born and raised, but he learned about the rest of the world, history. He learned how to communicate in a couple of languages. But he had this longing in his heart to go back to his people. They're on the shores of what we know as our East Coast. So finally it was arranged, and he was given to another family. And there's a little bit of discrepancy as to who this family was. But probably the most evidence in history, I mean, there's no question that he was given to another family, not as a slave, but as someone to be helped, to help him return to his native land and his native village. It was prob- based on the history, and I've read a lot of this, but based on the history, it was probably, it was probably Sir Fer- uh, Ferdinand uh, Jorge's family. He was a rich guy. He had been involved in slave trading. He was out of it at the time, but he wrote in a brief narration about some of the uh, something about an Indian boy that had been there, and it sounds like Squanto to me. But there's there's some. It, it was either the Jorge's family or it was another family, and both have been named in various stories. But one of the two families Squanto ended up with, and they were very generous about helping him to get on a boat that was going back to America. Well, it took some time before they could make contact and make arrangements for the boat that was going back to America. They finally did, and they sent him back, which is what exactly what he wanted to do. When he arrived on the shores of America, he walked onto the shores. He found his where his village had been, and he found that no one lived there. We later learned that his tribe was wiped out by a pandemic, much like the coronavirus, I suspect. So Squanto was kind of a displaced person. He didn't know what to do. He made friends with some of the other tribes around, but he wasn't really one of them. He didn't feel like he fit in, although they were accepting of him. He made some friends. He found some of his old friends that he had known as a child. But he hung around that area where his village had been, and this happened to be where Bradford and the Pilgrims set up shop. They began to build their village, and they didn't know anything about the history of that. That's why the story is credible, that one day when they were had been there and they were starting to build some buildings and the winter was 
upon them, and it was a really tough winter. Half the pilgrims died that first winter. This Indian walked into their into their village with his friend, Squanto, who said, I will bring my friend. And he helped them. That's the story behind the story. He had been captured by slave traders, taken to Europe, purchased by nuns. The nuns had given him to a wealthy family. Eventually, he had gotten his passage back, and now here he was, becoming integrated with the pilgrims, the American colony. He was living in the place where he had grown up, in the very place that had been his home. So he adapted some of the ways of the pilgrims, and he became familiar with their faith. He began to learn about God. This is well documented, well documented. William Bradford's journal talks about it. He was there. Even Captain John Smith's The General History of New England, in that he talks about this story. It's real. It doesn't matter what the New Yorker says. It doesn't matter what these other people say. It doesn't matter how people try to undermine and diminish any holiday, any day that is attached to the kingdom of God and giving thanks to God or celebrating the birth of Jesus, as we'll do soon. It doesn't matter. The truth stands. And the truth of the matter is that the people who were there the Captain John Smiths, the William Bradfords, and others have written about this. They put it in their notes. As I said, I've researched this. I'm absolutely certain that is true. So he found he found his way to a new tribe, the Pilgrims, that he stayed with him. He taught him how to fish and hunt, and you know, do all the things they do. He he knew the area, he showed him how to explore, and and so on. Had a relationship with him. The first time that he was captured, he learned English. But the second time, he created a relationship with the Christians who taught him how to trust in Jesus. Squanto actually accepted Christ as his Savior on his deathbed. William Bradford wrote about it. William Bradford wrote in in his book, one of his books, which was basically a journal, he said that Swanto eventually contracted a disease, a dreadful disease. He became sick. He was sick over a long period of time. He had a raging fever. They finally put him on a bed. They took care of him. They tended to him as best they could medically, but he wasn't getting better. So he came, finally one day, he was very, very poor health. He called Bradford Bradford came in and knelt by his bedside. And Squanto said, pray for me. In a whispered voice, he said, pray for me that I might go to the Englishman's God in heaven. So Bradford led him in a prayer of accepting Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Squanto breathed his last breath on November of 1622. He was gone from the new world, but he entered a heavenly one. As we look at history, we see throughout history the providence of God. We see how God is working behind the scenes in ways that we can never understand. 
I just wanted to say today as we celebrate Thanksgiving and this weekend as well, there are so many things to be thankful for. There are so many things that we can be thankful for. Thanksgiving is a day of understanding how God's ways are higher than our ways. God's ways are above. Our, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We trust in the Lord. Be anxious for nothing. Don't let the cares of this world, the King James Version says in Philippians chapter 4, be careful for nothing. More correctly, it's be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. This is a time, this is a time to trust God in ways that we have not even trusted him before. In the midst of the chaos in our world, it, it, it's unbelievable. I mentioned New York is shutting down their city and other cities and all of this nonsense going on on the West Coast. The governor's out of control. I mean, trying to trying to become slave owners in a sense. Our freedoms are being eroded. We're being told we can't meet with anybody today other than the people we live with. And at that, we can't be with more than six or five or seven. In some, I mean, it's different everywhere people live. But all of this going on, it's 1984. Like it's that novel, that book, 1984. And that's what we're we're in that today. And to to say it's otherwise would be a denial. I'm I'm not suggesting for a moment that these aren't just unbelievable times. And that's why we do our program every day, and we do it live so that we can talk about what's happening in the culture that particular day on any given day. But we do so from from the Word of God, from the Bible, because otherwise people are being driven, and the stats are there. This Thanksgiving, today, the stats are there that people today are anxious. They're, they're, they're being paralyzed by anxiety. All of these things that are going on in our world today, they can't deal with it. They're on overload. We've got all this happening. And then we have a pandemic on top of all the rest of the stuff. And then we have all of these restrictions on our freedoms, particularly directed at churches. It's true. We're not denying that. But I am saying there is a higher way. There is a better way. And many of you know this, but I'm just reaffirming it to those of you who know and live according to the truth of God's word. And if you don't, I want to suggest to you that you're not going to find a way that works for you. Because outside of the kingdom of God and the promises of God in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ... There is no better way. There's only one way to true thankfulness and blessing and prosperity in the soul. And that's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And even as Bradford knelt beside the bedside of Squanto and explained to him about the God in personal terms, the God of the English... Could I explain to you, perhaps you've just perchance tuned in this program today, could I explain to you that that God is still the God that's in control? And the God that embraced 
a dying Indian on the shores of the New World will embrace you in whatever set of circumstances you find yourself in. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how overwhelmed. Maybe you've considered suicide. A lot of people are doing that now. That's wrong thinking. That's a dead-end street. There's a spirit of thanksgiving that can fill your heart. You feel like it's empty, and it is, because if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's not a lot to be thankful about, really. Family, as I read some of the stats a few moments ago. Yeah, family and so on. People are thankful for those things, but we're trying hard to overcome some of the circumstances that we've that's been imposed upon us. But I want to tell you, Jesus Christ will give you the true meaning of thanksgiving. And what the Bible directs us to do, it just it's very simple. It's so simple that sometimes people stumble over this. But what the Bible directs us to do is to simply believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God, that he came to earth, that he died on a cross. Yeah, I know you've heard those stories, especially in America. But the stories are true. They're not revised. God became flesh. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live here and to die on a cross, and he was resurrected resurrected from the dead. There's an abundance of proof of that. I mean, it's overwhelming. People saw him. Hundreds of people saw him after he was resurrected from the dead. And God is asking you to believe that, to accept that in your heart, and simply ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, because that's why he died. And that will bring you the true spirit of thanksgiving on this Thanksgiving weekend. Simply ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. And to those of you who know the Lord, you're serving the Lord, you're in a relationship with him, let me just encourage you to have perseverance. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Ask God what you need. Ask God to help you if you're anxious. If you're overwhelmed by the anxieties of the times in which we live, make your request known to God. Because the Bible says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Not only does God give us a spirit of thanksgiving and all these reasons to be thankful, but but when we embrace Jesus in our lives, he gives us a, a guard, a, a fence, if you please, to guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So not only is he wanting to bless us and See, our sins forgiven. We spend eternity in heaven. But he's wanting to give us peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. It surpasses all understanding, Paul wrote. And it guards our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Hey, thanks for spending a few minutes with me today. It's my pleasure, always. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I'm going to ask them to play this program again tomorrow because I think I'll take the day off, but I'll see you live again on Monday. 
So thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for your support, your prayers, your your financial support and all of that. But have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving day and weekend. We'll see you live on Monday.